Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. President Trump prepares to meet some of the nation's students face-to-face as calls grow louder for lawmakers to get tougher on guns after a deadly school shooting. And the president unleashes on the Russia probe, where else? On Twitter. This is the State of America Tonight. What do you say to the NRA? Disband. Dismantle. And don't make another organization. I'm a conservative Republican, and I always have been and always will be. And all I really want to do is to restore sanity and adapt this assault weapon ban. As you can see with the FBI indictment, uh, the evidence is now really incontrovertible and available in the public domain. I do think there are other shoes to drop here. I'm Suzanne Malveaux, live in New York, and for Kate Baldwin, this is A State of America Tonight. Many here in the U.S. are wrapping up a three-day weekend today as the nation pauses for the President's Day holiday. For his part, President Trump urged Americans to be, in his words, reflective today before heading out for a few rounds of golf. It is his 99th day at a golf property that bears his name since taking office. And the president's outing comes amid an increasing pressure to reform the nation's gun laws after last week's deadly school shooting. Students in Washington held a protest outside the White House gates. You see it there as a show of solidarity for the victims. Their demonstration took place as three more people were laid to rest today after rallies filled with emotion this past weekend. They say that tougher gun laws do not decrease gun violence. We call BS. They say a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. We call BS. They say guns are just tools like knives and are as dangerous as cars. We call BS. The president is set to hold what he is calling a listening session with high school students and teachers this Wednesday following a weekend tweet storm that by was epic by any portion Trump standards. Most of the president's anger directed at the investigation into Russia's election meddling, for which he blamed everybody from former President Obama to the media to Congress. But he also had choice words for the FBI, saying the agency missed an opportunity to stop the Florida gunman because it was so focused on Russia. That jab at the FBI drew this response from two survivors of the shooting. I think it's disgusting personally. My father's a retired FBI agent and the FBI are some of the hardest working individuals I've ever seen in my life. They work every day, 24-7, to ensure the lives of every single American in this country. And it's wrong that the president is blaming them for this. After all, he is in charge of the FBI. The FBI were some of the amazing first responders who were helping us get to safety. And the fact that he wants to discredit them in any way and that he's trying to shift our focus onto them is, it's, it's not, it's not acceptable. In Congress, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle agree it is time for some action, even if they try to find common ground on the next steps. 
that is the first thing of multiple things that need to be done. Uh, that is fixing our background check system to make sure that all information is actually getting in there. For 30 years, I believe that we should not be selling assault weapons in this country. These weapons are not for hunting. They are for killing human beings. And one top Republican donor agrees with Bernie Sanders sending this message to Congress. No more money for any politician who opposes a ban on assault weapons. And now he wants other donors to follow his lead. I intend to contact every single Republican donor that I have in my little Rolodex file here. And I want to persuade them to hold up their check to their candidates until we can come around and create a movement here that does the right thing. It's for the children. It's, re- it's not for anybody else but the children. That's what I want to do it for. In a statement, the White House says that President Trump is open to improving the background check system. I want to bring in our CNN White House correspondent, Boris Sanchez. And uh, Boris is in Florida there. Boris, what can you tell us about what the president is willing to do and how far has he moved forward on this issue? Hey there, Suzanne. It's really just at this point a consideration of a bill that was presented uh, in the Senate back in November. This is a bipartisan bill uh, put together by John Cornyn and Chris Murphy uh, that came together as part of a response to a church shooting in Texas. It didn't really receive a ton of support from the White House back then. The bill didn't really go anywhere. Essentially, what it seeks to do is to strengthen state and local uh, authorities to pass along pertinent information to the NICS, the National Instant Background Check System, so that people that shouldn't be buying certain weapons aren't buying them. Uh, It closes certain gaps that allowed that church shooting in Texas to uh, essentially take place. Uh, We should note that, again, the White House didn't support this bill back then. Right now, according to a White House statement, it is something that the president is considering, even going as far as to actually speak with John Cornyn about it on uh, Friday. It wouldn't be the first time that we've seen a shift in the way that the president feels about gun control legislation. You'll recall that back in 2010, in a book uh, titled The America We Deserve, the president wrote that he supported a ban on assault weapons and an expansion of background checks. Clearly, his views changed once he became uh, the Republican candidate for president in 2016. He hasn't really had gun control uh, at the top of his agenda. We'll see exactly how far this goes. But clearly, there's a renewed urgency, a renewed push for uh, some kind of gun control laws to be passed. Though I should note that one of the co-sponsors of this bill, Chris Murphy, while pointing out that new urgency, says that this bill is not enough. He's calling for even more to take place. Uh, You noted, Suzanne, that listening session that is set to take place uh, with the president on Wednesday. We've asked the White House about who specifically is going to be there. Is it going to be uh, some of the survivors from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, uh, not far from where we are here in uh, Parkland, Florida? They have not been able to clarify. They told us that we should get more information as we get closer to that event on Wednesday, Suzanne. All right, Boris, thank you so much. Uh, We cover Congress and we've seen immigration reform die. We will see if, in fact, uh, gun control goes anywhere in the weeks to come. They're currently on recess. Thank you, Boris. Appreciate it. Now back to the protest at the White House. The students held what they called a lion for gun reform. Each one of them taking a spot on the pavement outside of the White House, representing the victims of last week's massacre. I want to bring in our Ryan Nobles, who was there, uh, joining us from Washington and Uh, Ryan, we have seen many protests uh, covering Washington, but this one really seemed to stand out in a way. What made this one special and what was the mood like to be there in front of the White House and to see the students laying there on the pavement? 
Well, Suzanne, it's been very different than some of the protests that we've seen uh, that have come out after that shooting in Parkland, Florida. Uh, This one was somber. It was quiet. It it was even silent at certain points. Uh, Basically, these uh, young people methodically uh, took their place uh, lying on the ground in front of the White House on the north side uh, of uh, the White House. Uh, And every three minutes, a new group of students would join the group. It started with 17 uh, to demonstrate those 17 lives lost in Parkland, Florida. And then every three minutes, and they say that That was uh, three minutes that was designed to show the amount of time it took for the shooter, in this case, to be able to purchase a weapon. Uh, They would join their peers and lie down on the ground, and the crowd continued to grow and grow. By the time this uh, protest was over, there was roughly 125 young people lying on the ground, silent and somber. And I actually talked to one of those young people who came all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota, to take part in this protest, and, and she had a very interesting perspective on that experience. Take a listen. It was really odd just to sit there and imagine what it would really feel like to be in a scenario where there could be a school shooting and where you might have lost your life and you're just there and there's nothing you can really do about it. Was there anything in particular that you were thinking about? About how when I found out the news of another school shooting, it didn't feel new or extraordinary. It felt like just regular news and how this needs to stop. So that's a young person who participated in this who said just a couple of days ago, the news of that shooting in Florida seemed like just another average news story. Uh, But then when she stopped to think about it, she realized how serious this was. And that's why she wanted to participate today. And uh, Suzanne, there's no doubt that the voices of these young people have become a big part of this story and could be what leads to change down the road here in Washington. Certainly, uh, Ryan. I mean, very powerful images, powerful presentation in front of the White House. Uh, despite the fact that the president was was not physically there, those pictures alone uh, speak volumes. And, and this is something that people around the world are sharing and watching. Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Still ahead, Florida shooting survivors. They are demanding action and they aren't holding back and criticizing the president. But will he take their pleas for stricter gun control to heart? Well, our panel will weigh in next. Survivors of the Florida school shooting are calling out President Trump for his response to the massacre, and he appears to be taking some notice here. The White House now says he supports strengthening background checks, and sources are now telling CNN that the president has seen the student protests, and he does want to take some action. Well, let's talk about that with our panel tonight. Bill Press, host of The Bill Press Show, Ryan Lizza, CNN political analyst, Joe Borelli, a Republican a New York City councilman and Trump supporter, and Mary Catherine Hamm, CNN political commentator, conservative blogger, and senior writer for The Federalist. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. I guess I'm going to date myself just a little bit here, <laughs> but um, when you wanted to get the president's attention, when I was a kid, I wrote a letter to uh, President Carter's daughter, Amy, to be my pen pal and told her what I wanted from this president. But you've got these tweets from these high schoolers now, and they are fierce, they are brutal, they are immediate, and they are 
basically dealing with Trump on his own terms. Joe, I go to you because what do you think the president is trying to go through now in terms of a response? Does he restrain himself? If you had to advise him, what would you say? I think you left out one operative part about the social media stuff is that these students are are actually now able to organize themselves with their counterparts in like Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. I mean, the students that you saw protesting weren't the students from Parkland. And this is the first time we've had like a school shooting uh, where you had high school age kids uh, involved with social media and getting their message out. I think the president is right by having this listening uh, event that he's going to have Thursday. I think the president is right by talking about uh, uh, expanding and being open to some background checks. Um, We've had school shootings in the past. But I think we could all agree that there's some something about this one does feel different. I mean, even the New York Post right. is out there. Uh, you but, know, but talking Joe, about I mean, this is a president who tweets on his own time. You can't control his tweets here. If you're advising him, are you just hoping and praying that he's not going to respond the way he does, perhaps to the pope or to a, uh, a gold star family and hits him back even harder? Look, if I can control Donald Trump's tweets, I would have done so, you know, 100 times already. Uh, but he, he's the type of person who let, lets his message fly. And, I mean, this weekend we also saw the release of these indictments. That's something that's obviously very personal to the president. Uh, and he let his message out there. Ryan, I want to go to you because um, this is uh, – what does it say about how we communicate with each other? When you do have yeah. high schoolers, and I assume that their parents are backing them up on this – and they have these tweets out, and they're calling him out. They're yeah. saying how they're disappointed. And they're, some of them are a little sarcastic, even, in their tone. They seem like they are willing to go there. Yeah. What does this say they're, about where we are now? They're frustrated. They're angry. They're mourning. They just went through a horrific tragedy that I don't think any of us could possibly uh, relate to unless you've been in a terrifying situation like that. And they're media savvy in a way that teenagers are. Uh, these days, and the, we are giving them a platform because we're interested in this story, and so they're savvy enough to sort of take advantage of that, and they're very well-educated and well-spoken and conversant on this issue. I mean, they, they understand the issue. I, I mean, I couldn't have done that when I was in high school, get on TV and talk about yeah. an issue like that. I mean, they're just incredibly impressive people, and doing it in the wake of this horrific tragedy. Now, it's exciting for, to me I started this weekend totally frustrated. I thought this was going to be after Vegas, nothing. After the Pulse, nothing. After Sandy Hook, nothing. And these kids have taken over. They have matched Donald, overtaken Donald Trump on 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 Twitter. Uh, and I'm hopeful now that uh, people are going to listen, and there's going to be some, there's going to be some finally some necessary change. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to be the eternal optimist here, but I do think that. Politicians see, you know, this is the elect. This is the 2018 elections. There are a lot of Democrats who have lost their seats because they were for gun right, control. Right. I think this year we could see Republicans and Democrats lose their seat if they're not for uh, some kind of gun control. Mary Catherine, I want to ask you about that in terms of listening here that Bill brought up because the president says he's going to be doing a listening tour with teachers and students. CNN is going to be doing a town hall on the same day, perhaps even the same time. Who does the president listen to? I mean, is he capable of sitting there and listening to opposing points of view? Because people have been very critical towards him already, and he, he loves affirmation and loyalty. Yeah, I mean, I think he can listen to opposing points of view because he's held all of them at some point particularly on gun control and on a lot of issues. Um, so, look, he is a flexible guy who I can imagine would hear about a, an increased background check bill and go, oh, I could be okay with that because he's not particularly ideological on any issues. Um, what I do think 
is that the underlying dynamics of this are unlikely to change. People are dug in on both sides. You're not going to get a giant change. I also think the small changes to background checks and making sure that protocols are followed at federal agencies so that you can flag some of these guys and that doesn't get bogged down can make a difference, perhaps more than sweeping changes. With the students involved, they, are, they have moral authority, they have righteous anger for good reason, um, and they are telling their stories well, and it's incredibly compelling. They are also minors who just went through an incredibly traumatic event. So I just keep noting that I, I am praying that uh, parents, activists, and media who are working with them are sure. keeping meta- uh, mental so health hard. professionals in the picture as well, yeah. because this is a very yeah. serious thing to process I, I in real time th- in public. Absolutely. I, think, I, I think this could be a Nixon and China moment for Donald Trump. You're right. I mean, he once he, he supported a ban on assault weapons and he supported extensive, extended background checks, if anybody could go to his base and say, damn it, we've got to do something now. It's Donald Trump. I think this is a great moment for leadership. I hope, I hope he seizes it. Yeah. No, he could do and, it where nobody else could. And, and we have a lot of people yeah. whispering in his ear over the weekend at Mar-a-Lago because they told him not to golf. He went golfing today. But, yeah. I mean, he had House Speaker Paul Ryan. He had Geraldo Rivera. He had his son. Everybody kind of giving mixed messages about how to approach this. Yeah. I mean... I think, look, if you look at Donald Trump's history, at least since 2015, <laughs> when he had to win the Republican uh, primaries... He has been very flexible on a lot of important issues to Republicans, except for guns. He yeah. has never, ever uh, been flexible on, on, on gun control since he started running as a Republican. And he was rewarded very richly for that position. The NRA spent tens of millions of dollars to support him. So I think you're right. A Nixon to China is, is, is possible here. But I, I don't see any evidence that that's an issue he's, he's ever uh, wanted to, to change on. And I hate to be doom and gloom on the student activism, but, you know, we've seen very sympathetic voices with moral authority on important issues. You think of on the left, the dreamers and, and immigration, or on the right, a lot of young people who are involved in the pro-life movement. But that doesn't change our dug-in, polarized politics at the end of the day. And... You, you, so it, it's, these young people have their work cut out for them if they're, if they're going to try and change the gun debate in this country. All right. We're, we're, we're going uh, to... I hope you're wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to pick up another topic soon. Uh, from Oprah to Obama, McMaster to the FBI, Donald Trump casting blame elsewhere and painting himself as a victim. How that is affecting the White House. Well, our panel will discuss that next. President blamed the FBI for being so focused on Russian meddling that it missed an, a tip that could have stopped the school shooter. That claim came in a tweet, one of more than a dozen that he fired off over the weekend. And the Twitter storm may just show that the person so focused on Russian meddling that he is blind to other threats is Donald Trump himself. Our panel is back and want to talk about that. And Joe, I want to start off with you here because it seems to me as if he's really conflating these issues. He's blaming the FBI for missing the shooter here on one hand, saying they're too focused on the Russia investigation. We know that the FBI did drop the ball, but they they can do many different things uh, all at once. How is it that this president is going to separate his own anxiety and fears about the Russia investigation from everything else? 
You know, honestly, I, I think I think what we're all doing, including everyone at this network and many others, is changing the goalpost right now because you know Donald Trump wasn't the one obsessed with Russian meddling in the election. It was the media, uh, and they have become the the quintessential boy who cried wolf on the issue. So the fact that he is a, a bit vindicated, perhaps uh, coming out of this indictment, I don't I don't fault but, him. But he took on his own but national right, security well, advisor, right, McMaster, he, he over the weekend. It. I mean, and, and saying that he ignored or didn't didn't include no collusion that I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I mean, well, at well, what, right. at I mean, that was a pretty operative he, part of that press able to separate anxiety and fear from everything else that's going on in the country. No, I, I think the operative part of that press conference was that uh, Rosenstein said that there was no witting American accomplice. But I think you are right, though, in saying that he shouldn't be conflating the, the FBI's inability to prosecute two potential investigations. I think the fair criticism, though, does remain that the FBI was notified twice about this person. This is a person that everyone can universally say has checked all the boxes of someone who shouldn't have a firearm. And if there was any premonition that this was happening, it's fair to question. Is there anyone who's concerned here about McMaster that he is being taken to task publicly by the president in a tweet? Yeah, this is crazy. The, 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 the National Security Advisor is basically being criticized for not abiding by Trump's talking points on this issue, which apparently are to get mad at the FBI for uh, you know running an investigation that so far, just to disagree with you a bit, I don't think this is a, a media... Uh, uh, made-up media story. We have 13 Russians who have been indicted. We have two Americans who have been indicted. And we have two guilty pleas, including one from the president's former national security advisor. So we have a, a serious investigation that the media has nothing to do with, is just, is, is just reporting it. Well, i, I got to say, first of all, conflating and connecting the lack of the Miami field office to follow on, a, on a something and, and the Mueller investigation, I think, is despicable. There's yeah. absolutely no connection between the two. But on Donald Trump, look, let's, let's see what's happening here. All of our intelligence agencies said Russia meddled in this election. The United States Congress, with like five people disagreeing in both houses, said Russia was meddling and they, the sanctions ought to be from them. And now we have the FBI and Robert Mueller in ex excruciating detail telling us what they did Donald Trump still has not acknowledged that they did it. He has not condemned it, and he's he not did. talked about you punishing look at my Twitter, Russia I, in any way. I, yesterday, I pointed out the three times where, on record, two reporters, he said either that I believe Russia meddled in the election or that I believe the, uh, the uh, intelligence community's report on Russia meddling. Three Joe, times. Joe, look, the look at my Twitter. Times this morning has about 12 cases there where Donald Trump said it did not happen. Vladimir Putin said it didn't happen, and I believe Vladimir he Putin. He has occasionally, under great duress, conceded it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I agree with you about the moral content and like the strategic content of this, of this tweet, um, but there is a different conflation happening that goes beyond uh, the media covering Russian meddling. The media has gone many steps beyond that at times and concluded that there is collusion long before the investigation has. I think that is a fair complaint. Some of coverage has been way out over its skis. Um, and so now we're actually getting the results of this investigation, and that does not mean that there will not be some more there on the collusion point. But I do think he has a bit of a fair complaint on that point. There is a conflation going on here between those two things that the media has not been great at keeping separate. But and for him to say there's no collusion no. is also premature yes. because... We don't, we don't know yet. We don't know. But Mary Catherine, I, I also want to bring up the fact here that he tweeted, you know, that the Russians are laughing their asses off. Who talks that way? I mean, like, the how do you, I mean, is there somebody, really, a, a Republican, who could rein men and say, you know what, let's have a, a polite no. discourse about this, no, even if you're not. frustrated about this particular thing? Because no. there's, there's no one who can rein him in. No. I, mean, I, I, don't, I think we've learned that lesson. And mm -hmm. this, is, this is what you will have. Um, at times it will be 
less out there than other times, uh, and this is just the new game that but we're when, playing. When media has made a case for the better part of a year that you, the President of the United States, uh, has been part of some elaborate Russian plot to influence the election, I think you have a right to be a little bit angry when it doesn't work out that I way. Joe, I, 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 I got to wrap you up. Oh. So sorry, we're just getting to the good part. We'll, we'll have you back later in the week. Thank you so much, Joe, Mary, Catherine, Bill, and Ryan. Thank you so much. Before we go, quick note about a film that clawed its way to the top of the box office charts. That's right, we're talking about Black Panther. It is a record-breaking hit. It is a watershed moment for Hollywood. The movie featuring a predominantly African and African-American cast in a story set in the fictional kingdom of Wakanda. The film brought in a massive $192 million over the weekend. It blew away the record for the largest opening of an African-American director, shattered the record for the biggest opening in February. I saw it myself. I loved it. <laughs> All right. This is day 396 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We're going to see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.